Hello and welcome to The Business Of, a podcast that aims to shine a spotlight on some of the great Australian businesses and business people. My name is Will Chapman and I am joined by co-host Charlie Self. Charlie, how are you, mate? Yeah, pretty excited, Will. We've got a lot to unpack with our guests today. Yes, Charlie. We're lucky enough to be joined in the studio today by Stuart Giles. Stu, thanks for being here. Oh, great to be here, boys. For those of you who aren't familiar with Stuart's background, he in tandem with his wife and close business partner, Kathy Reid, founded Icon Cancer Group, Epic Pharmacy Group and the Epic Group Foundation, the Epic Good Foundation, apologies. Since then, Stu has continued with numerous other investments through his family office, Arc 31. In addition to your business endeavours, Stu, I'm aware that you're an avid Hawthorne supporter. Massive trade period for the Hawks. How do you see them going next year? Oh, I think they've, uh, they've made a, a decision that they probably need to, uh, you know, take a step backwards to be able to take you know, the two or three steps forward that you need to contest for, uh, for silverware. And you know, that's the nature of the, the competition they're in. You know, there's no, there's no one way to do it, but I think, uh, you know, they've probably tried you know, over the last sort of seven or so seasons since they, uh, they tasted success. They, you know, they, tried to, they tried to hang on for a while. They tried to top up with sort of a, uh, you know, I guess that sort of, you know, um, established player route, you know, three agency and trade. And, but I think for most clubs and most lists in, in the AFL, eventually you've got to go to the draft if you want to build another generation yeah. of players. So, uh, no, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how they go under Sam. <laughs> um, yeah, now, Stu, me and Selfie always, um, you know, have a chat about, you know, great business people. And we always think to each other, you know, what what do they do at 9am on a Monday? So we just sort of ask our guests that as a, you know, straight off the bat. You know, I think, I think by 9am Monday, you need to know what your week's going to look like you know i mean there are no certainties and you know one of the things that you know you know agility is i think a a, a key re- a requirement for for business and probably for life success but i think by 9am monday you know you need to know what's ahead of you for the week and, and how you're going to approach it yeah. um you know i know a lot of people and you know one of the things we've been starting to think about as a family office portfolio sort of develops is whether we actually sort of go to a you know a, a virtual all hands yep. sort of at nine o'clock each each Monday yeah. um, to say, well, you know, here's what here's what we're all working on for the week, and and who needs what help, and and who's going to be where, and and doing you know doing yeah. what for the week ahead. Um, but yeah, that's certainly you know I think I've always liked to you know, I'd like to think on a Monday as I certainly was you know, I thought back quickly to yesterday. Um, you know, I think that would be um, you know I like to have been in the gym by five thirty um, most mornings. You know, get your exercise up and out of the way. Up and early, yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, obviously we're a household that's just coming to the end of um, you know uh, school breakfasts and starting the week right. <laughs> um, so you know, to date that's predominantly been you know a component of our our mornings. Um, it's certainly evolved as the ki- as Sam and Sasha have you know become older. When we were when we first started the business, you know we actually had you know almost a a not negotiable was that one of Kathy or I were there in the mornings when yeah. when yeah. when the kids headed off to school. Um, and we worked with a sort of a, yeah, a, a nanny who, who was there in the afternoon to, to sort of help get them settled after school, you know, prepare the, the evening meal. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that discipline and that routine sort of helped, you know, I think hopefully produce relatively normal and adjusted you know, kids. <laughs> <laughs> as normal as you could be with me as your father. Um, and, um, but equally so, you know, I mean, it meant for an extended period of time, you know, while Kathy and I were developing sort of, you know, parallel streams of the business, you sort of had one week where you knew you'd be 
out and about and on the road yeah. um, to work on things. And, and the other week where you, you might be, you know, sort of home-based. And that's probably more substantial for Cathy. She built a manufacturing business that the first uh, plant was actually built in WA. So, you know, for four and a half years she was, yeah. uh, you know, she was on the plane over the other yeah, side of the country yeah, and, well. and back. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, all it meant was that it, it uh, at school they knew that Kathy was away because dad lunch was, <laughs> was on offer five days in a row so. so Stu you touched on um the early stage of the business there with um with Kathy and and uh so how did that start what what was the manufacturing business what did it involve yes I mean yeah, I mean it's sort of you know, if you want you know 25 years in in 25 seconds it, it probably looks something like you know this Kathy and I were um well, we were um engaged on a Wednesday, started the business together the following Monday. Um, that was in, um, in sort of August 98. Um, by Christmas that year, we had 100 staff in three states and we did over $10 million of revenue in our first year. That was a pharmacy business uh, looking to service nursing homes and private hospitals. Yeah, We built that business up for... A decade, um, we'd got to the point where we were the largest operator in the country. We'd um, actually you know, partnered with a series of businesses, particularly up here in southeast Queensland, run by a, a group of pharmacists who were at the later stages of their career, and, and yep. we, we presented as a, as a succession uh, opportunity for them. Um, we achieved, you know, that and so much more that we set out to do with those, those partners. Um, but just as we were sort of getting to the to the finish line of that lap. Um, we had a pretty near-death experience um, with respect to the business. Um, <laughs> our major customer decided that they could uh, they could become a pharmacy operator themselves. Uh, overnight, about sixty percent of our business uh, exited stage left, um, and we were left uh, not only holding uh, the rump, but we had all of the debt. In fact, that we bought out uh, the mm-hmm. majority of those partners. So. We, uh, you know, they say what doesn't uh, kill you makes you stronger. Um, and out of that, we made a decision to, um, well, both to focus on cancer care in, in the pharmacy space, um, but also to ensure we didn't have all our eggs in one basket. We, we took some technology that um, we used in-house for our own five, for five of our pharmacy locations at that time to look after aged care residents. Um, and we converted that into a, a manufacturing business that could provide a, a just-in-time product to all 5,000 Australian pharmacies. So, you know, if you fast-forward 10 years after that, you know, you ended up with, you know, the, well, Cathy won the Telstra Business Owner of the Year Award for mm. her ability to you know, deliver, you know, uh, on time and under budget, a, a manufacturing business coming out of the GFC. <laughs> we sold yeah. that business basically to buy our first cancer care uh, centres. Yep. And as I said, you know, if we sit here today, you know, with Icon Cancer Group, you know, looking at, you know, you know, providing services to about one in four Australians treated privately for cancer care, you know, large provider of services in Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, Vietnam, uh, you know, obviously centres open and operating in China as well as New Zealand. Um, and, yeah, that's uh, that's sort of where it all started. Yeah, wow. So you spoke about that near-death experience you had. Um, just just tracking back a bit to before even starting that business so your background was in pharmacy is my understanding yes and then um so i suppose just building on for our some of our listeners who i suppose mightn't be studying a business degree or a finance degree or something like that how did you sort of learn your business lessons and so effectively pivot with 
without potentially maybe the the theory knowledge from uni, but the practical hands-on experience, I suppose. Could you speak a bit about that? For oh, us? Yeah, yeah, like I think it's a, it, it's a great question and, a, and a, a, probably a fascinating part of the journey. So you're right, uh, both Cathy and I did pharmacy degrees. Yeah. Um, you know, in the end, we're healthcare professionals first and foremost. Um, and I think that stayed as an advantage throughout our business career because we were working in healthcare and we were working predominantly and obviously the niche we found ourselves in was working with doctors and nurses and, and hospital administrators. So, you know, I would never you know, diminish that side of, of what that, you know, contributed to us. But as you say, you know, we ended up, you know, you know yeah, building and, and sort of being at the, the front end of a, a very big business um, from scratch. Um, the pharmacy uh, undergraduate degree provides you, certainly when we went through, very little uh, <laughs> business uh, learning. There's a 10-week uh, uh, sort of syllabus piece in third year. Um, I do sit here still today uh, proudly as the Norman Martin Pharmacy Prize winner in pharmacy planning and administration, um, which I like to hold up uh, occasionally to Cathy and indicate that I do have some skills um, in that regard. Um, ironically, Cathy had done accounting at year 11, and that really was the only fallback business skill we had. Yeah. Um, wow. And it was still possibly what got us through at, at the start. She, you know, she at least did have, you know, a, a, you know, a high school level of understanding <laughs> about a balance sheet and cash flow and, you know, all these things that were coming at us you know, really fast once we decided that there was a market opportunity uh, to pursue. I think history does probably end up recording that, you know, on a nature versus nurture basis, we probably had some natural aptitude uh, for business. Um, But, you know, even to this day, probably in the areas like, you know, relationships and building culture and leadership and authenticity, um, what we've probably always been prepared to, to understand and acknowledge was we, you know, we weren't experts we arrive without an expertise in the business setting and therefore we've always been very very willing to ensure not only that we're pretty confident we're not the smartest people in the room but make sure we've got the people in and around the room and the teams we build that have got the skills we're going to need for the task at hand yeah it's very interesting you touched on that so yeah we were sort of wondering like what would you say is the most important lesson for building meaningful and and authentic relationships with people yeah look authenticity is such an important word i think will i think you know in the end you know you know most people, not sure what rating the podcast has, but most people's bullshit detector is, is pretty is pretty good in no, the end. That's right? play, that's play on, Stu. Um, yeah. So I think you know if you aren't able to you know you know walk the walk to match the talk that you're delivering, in the end, you know, either your customers or your staff will call you out on it, and yeah. there'll be a you know a disconnect from what you're trying to build. Mm. Um, so I think you know I think. Probably for me in any business setting, I think the most important thing you do need to do is be able to firmly establish, you know, what's your cultural proposition and what's the values that you're going to take to the table yeah. in that regard um, and hold to it, you know, with, with, with Epic and the pharmacy business. In the end, we actually named the company after our values. You know, we had a values program, which was Epic yeah. U, and that was for people to bring, you know, energy, purpose to innovate and, and connect. Um, and in the end, it became such a, a representation of what we were about that, that we named the pharmacy business yeah, wow. Epic, and, cool. and obviously yeah. that flowed out and gave us yeah probably a pretty you know at, I know sometimes hardy work like you get you know the Epic <laughs> Good Foundation works as a you know, yeah. works really well once we're in a position where we're able to you know philanthropically look to commit commit back into the community, 
Um, but even today, you know, we've obviously launched uh, post the sale of our, our interest in Icon. We've, you know, we, we now operate under our, our ARC 31 uh, family office yeah. uh, banner. But the very first thing we did there was was set uh, set our, our values so that, you know, we could, you know, hold ourselves to it hold our and uh, make yeah. sure our decision making is aligned so you know we you know we seek to be you know, agile responsible and, and, yeah. and courageous in what we're doing and and i think mm. if you don't know what's guiding you it's it's very hard to to, mm. to move forward yeah well, you, you spoke about um arc 31 and some of your new investments one that i have taken a lot of notice of is the australian premier league can you speak speak to the audience a bit about that yeah for sure i mean um yeah the um the, the opportunity arose. Uh, we were approached by 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 Ian Healy. Um, I'd known Ian. I'd actually did a, a long uh, charity walk about a decade ago for for AEIOU uh, yep. with, with Heels. And you know, one thing is when you do walk forty or so kilometres with someone, you, <laughs> you get a chance to know a bit about each other and whether you're sort of person you never want to see again or uh, you're happy to keep going. Because you know, the, and you always want to be the uh, you always want to be the fastest walker or runner or cyclist on one of those charity <laughs> events because if you're the slower one. And they've got your ear. They can, you can always just slow down. <laughs> we always we always used to send our fastest pedalling doctor to go on any of the politician uh, bike rides because they could always slow down and keep killing the politician's ear. But they can now they were never fast enough to drive right away from them. So it's always been a good lesson for me when people want to go for a you know you want to go for a run and have a chat. Perfect as long as I'm hoping that I'm faster than you are. So the conversation. Um, but no, you so back to the question. Um, so in the end, yeah, we an opportunity presented for us to you know get involved in in bringing uh, sort of private uh, franchise cricket uh, to, to Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, not at the the level of sort of the, the big bash league uh, IPL um, operations, but actually more about trying to give a product for the rest of the cricket community to experience and and what private cricket brings. Yeah, but that you know interaction with different groups of people, playing with different teammates. You know, in the case of the junior competitions, actually a chance to play T Twenty cricket, which they you know don't. Yeah, you know, they get mm. they watch. They probably consume more T Twenty cricket yeah, than anything else. They actually yeah. watch yeah. as a spectator. But no one's giving them an opportunity to, to really properly play it. And yep. by properly, not just turn up with the same guys you play with all the same time and you're all bat you bat in the same order, you get a bowl and you feel in the same mm. spots. You know, the, one of the things that happens with you know globalised private T uh, twenty leagues, you turn up, you meet new opponents, you get a chance to try yeah, exactly. do things, you play yeah. with a little bit less mm. pressure because you're not playing for, you know, selection or a chance to bat, you know, yeah. at three next week or all those <laughs> things that, that can make cricket equally parts fun and a chore right so yeah, yeah. um so yeah so we've been really excited with how it's gone um you know we probably you know again i think always in, in business you've got to be you've got to be comfortable that you may not start with all the answers but you should start yeah um and i think mm. the australian the premier league's been a great example of that in the end you know we thought we were from a senior sort of flagship product you know we thought the opportunity was to bring a you know it's almost a you know a, a short t20 competition you know to to the market but in the end what we've really discovered was that you know actually a sort of a weekend festival product built around um you know the century as a a hundred ball tournament was actually what works and what the innovation needed to be so now we're really excited yeah nice um just moving forward on on the premier league and i guess some of the investments that arc 31 have i know will a few took his eye um, before the podcast when we were sitting uh, down going sure. through. If you'd like to... Yeah, well, that. one of the ones that I sort of, you know, that sort of caught my attention was um, Hello Alice. And, um, you know, it speaks to how, you know, 
your goal there is essentially like, you know, accelerate small business growth and stuff like that and provide a network for those businesses, which I think is so important because, you know, as you said before, you know, it's you can't start with all the answers when you're starting a business. So it's having something like that as a sort of support, you know, network sounds awesome. So can you speak to sort of how Hello Alice sort of operates and how that's, you know, going to help small businesses and stuff like that? Yeah, look, I mean, I think Hello Alice is a fascinating business. Um, yeah, we've been really lucky. You know, some of the things that came have come our way, um, particularly, you say, in some of those areas about, under, you know, supporting sort of, you know, the, you know minority or diverse business uh, ideas and, and, and operators. You know, I guess, you know, Cathy herself's been a, you know, somewhat of a standout in that in that regard. I mean, you know, there's... Um, there's a lot less, uh, you know, articulate, attractive female business leaders who've built billion-dollar businesses than there are pale, stale, <laughs> white males, right? So, um, so you know, from our end, obviously, her um, her exposure in that area and her understanding of what's going on in that space is something that we've been really keen to be more involved in. Hello, Alice came from that um, from that um, from that angle. Um, we were introduced to it by the um, the two founders. Um, uh, Caroline and Elizabeth uh, in the US who um, were very very active in, uh, in 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 that entrepreneurial space in in, in sort of the, in the USA um, it's an a uh, it's a hell of a uh, share registry I think as a founding <laughs> in- investor I think Kathy joined Melinda Gates Serena Williams um, oh, well. you know it's been some people who've who've really blazed some trails <laughs> as females <laughs> around the world um, yeah, well. but yeah predominantly it's about providing you know, yeah you know, uh, grants, services, um, you know, really all the things that, you know, you need in a, in a small business startup setting. But mm. I think if you ever, you know, when you peel back the, the, the layers on the onion, are harder for, you know, minorities uh, yeah. to get their hands on. Yeah. You know, yeah so, cool. so no, it's been, it's been, look, and, and yeah, commercially, it's been a really successful investment for us. It's been a, starting yeah. to move towards a, you know, a reasonably long hold for us and oh, that's wow. been that's a awesome. really enjoyable piece because mm. you've actually watched it go through you know you know just yeah, from startup so phases yeah oh, it yeah. always is you know those you know those those businesses that you see from really early inception through to becoming sort of you know you know growth and scalable businesses and then into truly sustainable businesses and if they're making a difference along the way you know yeah. that that's really i guess what you really what's what you do want to be seen on your diary from 9am monday yeah. <laughs> one of, I suppose one of the toughest things Will and I have found with business ideas we've had in the past and I know Will's had one or two and he's, <laughs> he's even to the extent where he's down selling shotgun tools at schoolies one year. <laughs> he, um, he, um, he, I suppose one, one of the things we always go is, okay, we've got this great idea, sweet, how do we monetize it? How does this become something that we can commercialize and that will add value to other people? So I guess, could you speak to a bit how you and Cathy have worked through that with your ventures in the past? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I think, you know, starting proposition is, you know, there is no magic bullet. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, there are plenty out there who who do a really good job of helping, you know, at least, um, you know, get people on that pathway, you know, yeah. whether that's, you know, people who run incubators, you know, venture capital funds, you know, all of the, the things in the ecosystem, you know, to try and to, to, to help give people a greater chance of success. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the idea is almost always, you know, unique or individualised, and I think therefore the path that that might get you there, you yeah. know, is likewise. I mean, you know, you know for, for Kathy and I, 
you know, the, the, the road to get here is, certainly, as you said, you know, very little business training or experience, <laughs> yeah. you know, almost accidental heroes in the way that you know, we saw an opportunity. You know, what we, you know, we decided to get into a relationship. Kathy was pursuing an opportunity for a, <laughs> an emerging space in the pharmacy marketplace. And, you know, 25 years later, I'm sitting here on your podcast. So, mission you know, <laughs> accomplished. Um, but, um, but I think, you know... On my journey, I've really tried to distill it down to sort of, you know, five uh, sort of, you know, key things that I'd like to sort of focus on. Um, you know, I think that, you know, you know, I'm a big believer that the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. Um, and that's not just, a you know, a, you know from a, a simply, you know, you've just got to work hours and hours and hours. It's actually about, you know, put yourself into opportunities, you know, meet people. You know, often, you know, we'd, we'd get opportunities come towards Cathy and I, and, you know, I'm sure people sit back and think, oh, they were lucky that that happened. Um but yeah, they don't see the hard work and the grind that goes. Mm. You know, you, you, mm. you, as I said, you know, the uh, you know, uh, for Kathy to fly backwards and forwards across the uh, across the country yeah. for four and a half years, so that we, you yeah. know, so that we actually had a manufacturing business that we were able in the end to to sell to use the funds to buy our first cancer centres. You know, mm. that that stuff happens because you've done the hard work. Yeah. Um. You know, the um. You know, I'm a big believer that you know, it's you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah. You've got to have a, a a degree of tenacity and resilience in in, in your approach to things um, because it will be hard yeah. you know you know there's um you know there's no doubt about that um you know i think you've got to love your work right i think you know if you can't if you're not doing things if that 9 a.m monday morning starts and you look at things and you look at the week ahead and you don't want to be doing mm-hmm. what's on that list I think you've got to stop and ask yourself, well, why am I doing it now? Sometimes there's really good reasons that you have to yeah. do some of those things, but if there's if week after week it's weighing out in favour of I really don't want to be doing this stuff, then yeah. you know, mm. hopefully there's a pathway to you to do something else. Um, yeah, you know, I'm a you know I like to to talk about being positive. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of to be said, and there's a lot of studies and even you know activities that prove you know positive people actually outperform. Mm, yeah. People who can't find the opportunity yeah. in things now, yeah. Our primary business and uh, healthcare activity has been in cancer care for the last decade, right? You know, mm. you know, it's really serious and challenging. You know, dealing with mm. most people is probably the most significant health impact and, and situation they'll go through in their life. You yeah. can't just walk around, you know, like Pollyanna, mm. but mm. you can try and ensure that you're providing you know, an environment where people have the, the resources and the support they need, and and that you know that there is. A, an element you know yeah. of, of, of hope to things and then lastly i like to you know probably the only one that ever really tied to our icon group journey was to be iconic and that was to me that's probably you know well i said icon again you know it, it operated on be iconic was actually the values for the for their you know the same sort of thing energy innovate connect you know act mm. on purpose and, and be and nurture people um but it was also about being prepared to you know to stand out you know whether that's you know from a you know if you're going to go to a room, you know, do you want to be the 14th person to walk through the door in a dark suit and a white shirt, or do you mm-hmm. want to wear a jacket that people are at least going to remember that <laughs> or find you in the crowd, right? Yeah. Um, but okay, so it's also, you know, be prepared to understand. Comes back to that earlier question you asked, Will, about authenticity and and and, and culture. You know, yeah. you know, be prepared to stand by the values yeah. that you've you've got. Um, and now that may mean at times, you know, sort of, you know, the standard you walk past is the standard you have to accept and be held to. And so they I think, yeah, be prepared to call things out that you say, well, that's, you know, I don't think that's mm. the way something should be done. So Yeah. I suppose um, keeping that positivity in mind, I think there's a few business people 
in, in both Australia and overseas who are pretty, pretty positive about what Brisbane and Queensland as an investment space might have in the next few years. And I guess, um, I, don't, I, know I was actually with you on a walk when you flagged the 2032 Olympics to me as something that young people should be looking, looking forward to and not just young people, but anyone who's excited about what will be a great event for the, for this, for the city and the state. Do you, what are your thoughts on the on the Olympics? I guess oh, as a, as an opportunity. Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, I think, and that was you know, the conversation we, we were having. I mean, I think you know, the Olympics is a you know a three week event that I think provides a opportunity laden ten year run up and a opportunity rich ten years plus legacy if you you know if you get it right and if you're prepared to position yourself to to you know to embrace what may come along and, and, and to participate. And that's certainly not, you know, purely at an athletic perspective. It's, you know, everything that will occur in this city over the next decade is going to at least have one reference point in it to, you know, the forthcoming Olympics and does yeah. this, you know, does this deliver a net positive to the way that the city can be ready and prepared and present to the world at that time? Um, and, you know, I think if you look at cities that have done it well and and and, and even nations that have done it well and i you know i think yeah that there are there are huge opportunities ahead um you know for us as a city and you know and so many sectors that need to be you know enormously represented over the next decade that at the moment probably brisbane has been sort of more of a, a branch office yeah for i mean i think if you look at you know sports management you know um sports marketing businesses you know air, companies like that that, you know, and if you have a look now, sort of the, the scramble is on to, to at least <laughs> get here in some way, shape or form for sort of the bigger players in those areas, whereas, you know, historically, you know, they've probably been in the main able to, to, to sort of operate out of Melbourne and Sydney and particularly yeah. if they're part of, of, of sort of global you know, business networks. So, no, I don't think there could be ever a better time to call South East Queensland home and be in your early 20s and, and looking at what you're going to do <laughs> next in your life. Yeah, it's very exciting, yeah. Um, I suppose just on being in your early 20s, I guess, Stu, have you had one one piece of advice um, for someone back, or for you yourself back in your early 20s? What would it be? Um, oh, I think I think have a go is, you know, I think, you know, how strange is that? Um, <laughs> but, but no, I think, you know, there is a willingness. You know, I think if you can take have the courage to take the first step to think, to, to not not need to feel that everything's lined up in the right order, that it's going to be perfect, you know, but actually just, you know, see see and be able to understand, you know, what the opportunity that you're trying to, you know, pursue may be and, and put yourself, you know, in that position. Um, and, you know, again, you know, that probably, you know, was the way that it played out, you know, a, a little bit for, for, for Cathy and I at the start. I mean, you know... There has to, we have to con, we have to at least own a little bit of fake it till you make it. We launched a you know we launched a hospital and aged care pharmacy business, and at that stage we'd never run a pharmacy business, let alone a pharmacy business that looked after <laughs> hospitals or aged care. Kathy <laughs> came from a retail pharmacy background, and um, you know you know I'd been uh, you know having a Peter Pan existence playing cricket <laughs> of, the, of the country of the planet. So you know I think. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty confident. If you think you've got an idea, your best thing to do is, is roll your sleeves up and have a go. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, all right. Thanks for that, Stu. Really appreciate your time. It's been great talking to you, and we've definitely learned a lot of things today. So, um, yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks, Stu. Best of luck. My pleasure.